to Soundtrack Showdown, our monthly podcast where we take two soundtracks, compare them across five rounds, and declare an overall winner. Christmas, everyone. Uh, we are sitting here in this most unusual of uh, Yuletide seasons. Uh, we are at Tier 4 of a three-tier system here in London and sharing it with me from her apartment on the other side of London, because, yes, this was created under COVID conditions, everybody, is the incomparable Ella Kova. How are you doing? <laughs> Hello. Oh, thank you. That's such a wonderful introduction. I really appreciate that. Oh, God, yes. Another wonderful episode from the comfort of our homes. Yep, <laughs> our home studios slash living rooms. Yes, um, full on lockdown, trying to just mm-hmm. keep on going, powering through this nonsense. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you saw another person, another human being? Ah, <laughs> uh, to be honest, I don't even want to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want anyone to count the days. I think it would just throw me into a hole I don't I don't think I'll be able to get myself out of um yeah let's face it, it's not measured in hours is it it's it's days yeah yeah exactly <laughs> 2020 um, yay yeah, yeah it's a bit of a <laughs> shit show isn't it 2020 it is it is but Christmas is still sort of Christmas and that's what we're doing today <laughs> I feel like it's more like nightmare before Christmas I, I know we in in hindsight hindsight being 2020 and all that uh we probably should have done that one this year I know. but uh, we've already it, done it you, so you did, yeah exactly i mean you didn't think or even could predict that like, <laughs> we'd be in lockdown like separated from people not no. being able to see them or hug them or uh-huh. yeah have a normal christmas because yeah, that will be you people. breaking the law exactly exactly um the number of people who would have started out this year being like 2020 is gonna be my year it's like nope it's nobody's year <laughs> that's so true and it's so funny how like 2019 was actually a really good year for a lot of people like particularly uh-huh. around my circles it's just like everyone okay. was at their peak and yeah. you just think like you couldn't get any higher and then it's literally it's 2020 showed you just kind of went the, op- yeah. the polar opposite polar opposite indeed and speaking of the poles and the north pole i'm really creating a crazy segue because that's what (laughs) we have to do these days we are talking about christmas movies this month and we're talking about two actually kind of much loved uh christmas movies from 1994 the santa claus and from 2003 elf what did what did you think about these movies had you seen either of them before ella well it's really strange like the santa claus i've heard about it like uh, it was in my peripherals when I was young, mm. but I never got around to watch it. was at the it. right, yeah, me too. So it was at the right age for both of yeah. us, right? Like we were proper kids, like probably core or like we were absolutely in the demographic that this film was aimed at Yeah, as like a Tim Allen um, vehicle. You know, he was famous for home improvement stuff at the time. Like we yeah. were absolutely the people that they were expected to watch and neither of us did. <laughs> 
and it's really strange I don't know like it just it wasn't my cup of tea but I guess in the same way mm. how last year we talked about um the Grinch or how the Grinch mm. stole Christmas it just kind of went past me I just wasn't interested so obviously watched it for this episode and I have to mm-hmm. say the first time I had to watch it twice because the first oh. time I couldn't really get into it I think maybe because it's been a while like with 90s films particularly 90s mm-hmm. Christmas films they are a real hit or a miss you either have okay. golden films like Home Alone Miracle, Miracle on 34th Street like those really quite uh-huh. huge gems um, Nightmare Before heart. Christmas and Nightmare Before Christmas of course but then you have other ones like Jingle Bells the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger Ooh. which was uh-huh. a complete flop <laughs> I suggested we watch that and you vetoed it. So if anyone else out there like is like, I, I really want you to talk about the music to Jingle Bells because I think it actually might have some decent music. Uh, you're going to have to write in because I need like uh, ammunition for that fight. Essentially, I need support. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm never going to be able to get that one up by myself. Yeah, uh, we've done Die Hard. If you want the Arnie movie too, you're going to have to ask. Yeah, but... <laughs> So then the second time round, I was a little bit more engaged. I kind of had to force myself uh-huh. because I was curious to know what made this film so successful because it spawned a mm. trilogy. Yeah. You know, so I was just like, it must have been really successful. So I was just trying to figure out why. And like, it's it's really interesting how this film, looking back, like in comparison to how our society and what we value now, like in some places, this film is quite problematic. Okay. In some ways, mainly on the themes, not so much on the music. I mean, sure. I mean, the music is pretty inoffensive. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah. Any ones in particular you want to you want to bring to light? Well, there's a lot of fat shaming. There is. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> so I was a little bit like. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I mean, in comparison to nowadays, like it's like today's sort of being politically correct, like you won't allow that as much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was quite interesting. So, but it was all right. Um, Mm -hmm. It didn't necessarily put me in a Christmas mood per se. I I think the obstacle, because I was trying to figure out what was was the problem with... What wasn't working? Yeah, what was missing? Well, also, what was the problem with Tim Allen's character? Like, like, because I I feel like there wasn't enough... Because I think what they were trying to show is that he's very dysfunctional, that he's not able to provide a good Christmas... Um, experience uh-huh. for his son but I just felt that like but you haven't shown me enough to validate that what the fact that he was late and the fact that he yeah. couldn't cook a meal I was just like well I mean in comparison to like a, a 90s film like Liar Liar with Jim Carrey yeah. where he is con- he's a very bad father he's truly dysfunctional because he puts his career ahead of his son and that was yeah. shown quite clearly whereas in this film I, I I don't know. I, they weren't prepared to commit. They weren't prepared to commit to him being a genuinely bad dad. Yeah. Like, yeah so I, it is weird. I found that actually with both of these films in that like, so Tim Allen and uh, James Kahn, I can't remember how to pronounce his surname in thing. Like they're essentially the Scrooge characters, yeah. right? They're meant to be the, the sort of distant father figures who don't particularly believe in Christmas. And I found it really weird that one of them literally like works in a toy company and the other publishes children's books. Yeah. Like th- these are strange things 
strange and there's no reason they don't do anything with the job exactly and so they, they're, they're why are they not like detached. proper business people yeah so, but they're, they're meant to be detached but in a completely like child friendly industry like they've got the sorts of jobs that like women in rom-coms have and we sort of talk about oh well they've got these like very silly like childish sorts of jobs and they're they're totally unrealistic but they're giving them to this like Scrooge character. I, I couldn't. I couldn't work out why. I'm glad that you felt the same way. That there just didn't, didn't seem to be much more of a ammunition to validate the change of character or what their arc yeah. was. Like clearly, these people were children at heart. That's why you do a job like that anyway. And then them, it just yeah, it just doesn't. And that's not even. They didn't even manage to trade that in a like. Oh, I got into toy companies or children's books because you know i loved this stuff and i've lost my way and i and it becomes this like huge redemption arc back to what got them into it in the first place they yeah. don't even do that they just are randomly in these very child-friendly jobs true in comparison to elf the father mm. figure who is meant to be kind of not villainous but kind of like as you say the scrooge character mm. um i believed him more yeah, however, he's I used empath- to playing those roles. But I, <laughs> I empathise with him more, just as much. Mm-hmm. So some of the, like, I think he tried. He really tried his best to kind of accept this stranger into his life. Like, mm. but this stranger was really testing his patience <laughs> a lot of the time as well. So yeah. I, 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 I empathise with his struggle. So therefore, when at the end of the film, I actually, I think there was much more heart in that film in Elf than there was in. Mm. Santa, the Santa Claus for me and when I first watched Elf it's weird uh, I didn't I liked it but I just I think at the time it just felt it was very very in that mid mid-noughties sort of trope of these funny films of being have that sort of Will Ferrell comedy which was very yeah. like over the top and silly and just but now I think maybe because I'm much more used to it that I actually I enjoy the humor much more. So okay. I seem to have enjoyed this film. Like I think it was like the fourth time I watched it. Um, wow. Okay. What about you? Yeah. So I mean, I, I, so I agree with all of that. And the other thing I'd say is, so like they're they're interesting because they're both clearly vehicles, right? Like they like a decent number of comedy films. They're vehicles for the comedian at the center. So the Santa Claus is very much just a way of getting Tim Allen into a Christmas movie and he plays a character which is kind of similar to his home improvement kind of dadsy kind of a character but obviously in a very different situation and likewise Elf is just all about let's get Will Ferrell on screen and let's do it all the time but he does it I so think, great though I'm sorry I think uh, I, I find Will Ferrell annoying myself but but yes he does he does his thing he captures the um, innocence in a, in a mantle so well I, I guess so <laughs> um, but I think the problem is just as a weird kind of structure thing in Elf, Will Ferrell has straight men to play off. Like at the beginning, or mainly he's got James Khan. Like James Khan, who you know was in freaking The Godfather, yeah. and and generally plays these serious kind of either mafioso or like um, uh, businessman type roles. He's got this straight guy to play off all of the time, and Mary Steenburgen, who's a fantastic mum character to play off as well. Yeah. So he he can bounce off them, whereas. 
I don't know why in the Santa Claus they decided to not really do that. Like he's got this sort of stuck in the mud psychiatrist, yeah. but the psychiatrist isn't present very much. No. So he doesn't really get to play that very often. And then you've got the mum who's kind of like torn between the two and doesn't really provide a huge amount of, of friction for him to, to bounce off. So, yeah, you just want it just winds up being sort of like a Tim Allen monologue half the time, which he's good at. But, and obviously it works. They make three films and, and stuff. But, yeah, I just don't, I don't think there is as much room for comedy as a result. He winds up having to sort of, like, make his own jokes up around the edges. And I, I feel like they were trying to sort of follow... Actually, I assume this film must have come out first. They were trying to follow an almost, like, Mrs Doubtfire yeah. model. But the difference is that um, Robin Williams could carry anything by himself because just watching him for an hour is entertaining. Well, Whereas Tim versatile. Allen is not that sort of energy. More versatile and far more energetic. Yeah. Like he's just like bouncing. And like, you know, you you got parts of his personality bouncing off each other, which is not Tim Allen's style. Tim Allen is much better in something like Toy Story where him and Tom Hanks, it's beautiful. Yeah, so I think I'm kind of with you on the same thing. I think Elf works a bit better than Santa Claus as a film, but it's very much, I think it largely comes down to which type of comedian you like. Will Ferrell's kind of like silly, frat boy, man-child, SNL style, or Tim Allen's more just sort of American family sitcom style. I think it's also Um, the decades that actually play a huge part in it as well. You think? Okay. Yeah, I do. So Because for me, like, the comedy of the Santa Claus was very 90s. Yeah, and then the is. comedy of the El- of Elf was very naughty's, you know, which is still translating yeah. over to the current decade because we're still in that yeah. moment, you know. Yeah, I think it's Elf is probably a little bit more timeless as well. There's a lot more slapstick. There's a lot more just sort of general easy comedy, whereas there is more inherently nineties to Santa Claus. Um, so let's move on. Uh, before we go too far, we haven't, I don't think we've given away much yet, but we have to do our spoiler alert. Uh, we are going to talk about these full films, the beginnings, the ends, the middles. Um, if you haven't seen either of these films, which, okay, I'll admit, I hadn't, so maybe you haven't, um, they're pretty fun, easy, short watches. It's the right time of year to watch them, so maybe do that and come back to us. Otherwise, you've been warned. So, what are the uh, rounds? Yes, let's talk about our rounds. We start with Santa's Workshop, highly appropriate for a Christmas episode. Then The Journey, uh, Showdown with the, and I'm going to put this one in inverted commas, Villains, uh, The Credits Song, and then finally, as per usual, we will talk about the legacy of both of these films and their soundtracks. And right before we get into round one, uh, it would really help if you like our podcast, please subscribe. But more importantly, tell your friends, mate. I mean, <laughs> normally we would say, oh, you'll be going home and visiting all your friends and family for Christmas. Maybe share, but may- maybe just do it on your Christmas call this year because it's illegal to meet people. WhatsApp um, people. WhatsApp people. Exactly. WhatsApp, Zoom, mention, mention our little our little humble podcast. And if you just happen to be at your wit's end and with plenty of time in your hands, maybe, you know, using your phone to avoid people, maybe drop us a very friendly review on iTunes because it really helps us get the word out. So let's move on to round one. 
and the track we're going to be listening to which is not actually by the main composer for this film which we'll start with the santa claus because it came chronologically first as per usual um so the composer for the santa claus is michael convertino but this particular track called the bells of christmas is by lorena mckinnett and here it is you can see a magic light and hear the ring of christmas interesting when you when i saw the track and i uh-huh. saw the name lorena mckinnon i was just like why does that name sound and look so familiar and, okay and then i realized like ah oh, i actually know her i know one of her albums ah. uh, i don't know if, well, have you heard of her no i hadn't i was okay. like i feel like i should know this person but i but i really really haven't okay so i'm recommending for you to listen to this album of hers called the mask and mirror it's, okay. Uh, she released it in 1994, and it's if you like, it's basically a very Celtic and Middle Eastern themed mm. album. It's cla- I guess it's what you can class as world music. Um, it's yeah. it's not very mainstream sounding, but the music is beautiful, and I highly recommend listening to the first two tracks, which is um, Mystic Dreams and the Bonnie Swans, because okay. she's got an amazing, beautiful voice that and and the way that she's able to capture that old folklore style of singing um it's just yeah translates Mm. so very well so it's interesting that she was picked to i guess compose this song for this film because the music really reminds me kind of choral traditional carol christmas song in some ways Mm -hmm. because if you notice at the beginning of the film when he's driving home you have the carol of the bells playing over yes. a, or like you know intertwined with uh-huh. like carols and i know over. you love the carol of the bells i do because you know why it's actually based on a ukrainian folk chant it is actually yes, it's, it is. it's composed by a ukrainian composer um Mm-hmm. And stolen by an american for use in american films right um <laughs> so but so i think i can see the parallel between the two there Mm-hmm. And 
I mean, it definitely has a sort of 90s sensibility. It also reminds me of another track from, I don't know if you know, Toys with Robin uh-huh. Williams. Like yep. there's a song called The Closing of the Year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is similar, which is actually written by um, Hans Zimmer and Trevor Horn. Well, funnily enough. Huh. But they kind of wow. have a, they, ha- they have that 90s sort of yeah. sensibility and they're both similar they're very similar in tonality and stuff but it's very mm-hmm. dramatic you know it's very sentimental and it has a very celebratory feel to it but at the same time it is a little bit cheesy though for me oh yeah and dated but mm-hmm. i think it works for the scene although for some reason for me right at the beginning it did kind of clash with tim allen's dialogue for some reason that's the only thing oh. it's weird when when lorena is singing her cues mm-hmm. i almost feel like maybe they should have taken allowed the music to over um to be in the background more while tim allen is speaking yeah. and then bring her in because I couldn't uh-huh. really hear what she was trying to say or what she was singing in the film. I might, it just might be me. But I just yeah. felt that there was a clash at the beginning. But then when there was no dialogue and obviously the sleigh is being brought down into the elves' mm. workshop or the Santa's yeah, workshop. Yeah, really, that's a great moment. Yeah, it's very celebratory and it's very, the editing is very 90s, you know. There's just so many other films that it reminds me of for some reason. Like there's moments where it makes me think of Hook you know oh yeah i don't know why it's just so with my eyes now i see it very old school but it's cute mm-hmm. <laughs> what can i say it's 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 all right it's not bad yeah you uh yeah i mean i don't have a whole lot to add to that i mean obviously yeah that whole celtic sound was sort of part of that like 90s celtic revival mm. with like um, Enya and stuff like that like it was very kind of on trend at the time um, and it, yeah it, it, I think it fits quite well the, my, the mainly what I would say about it is I'm a bit disappointed that they didn't use it a little bit more more in the film absolutely because it has this very kind of nostalgic quality it feels like it it's just made to come back at the end when they go back to the North Pole and like make you kind of hark back to the beginning of the film like it just it feels like it has more legs than they they give it. So I, I thought that was a bit disappointing. But yeah, I think it's very effective. Mm. Um, so let's move on to Elf, and the track we are listening to has the fantastic title of main title.
Well, I love this. I mean, I find it... We should mention that the music for Elf is by John Debney, yeah. the American composer, by the way. Yes, sorry, go on. Yes, You love this? I, I love this because it's very reminiscent of the 50s, 60s sort of Christmas classics vibe. And I'm sure everybody knows that the whole film and music was obviously based on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, um, Rankin and Bass's production of that, and... I didn't know that, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. They literally, they almost actually, um, the film was nearly not made because it was so close to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Deer. It to from the production, from the clothing, from even some of the characters, like it almost felt like it was being plagiarized. Um, So Rankin and Bass, they did get their lawyers in during production of Elf. And mm-hmm. somehow, through magic or a miracle, um, they dropped it. So Elf was able to finish its production. Music like that really kind of puts me in a classic, uh, in a Christmas mood. It's, it has a very mm-hmm. catchy theme, like for Buddy, um, which mm. is very easy to hum and it's very nostalgic. You know, as I mentioned, it's going back to the Christmas classics. Um, it's not as dramatic as The Bells of Christmas. But yeah, it's still, it puts me in a much better mood. I feel like at the beginning of watching this one, I know that I'm going to be watching something lighthearted. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I like it. I really do. You? Yeah, I mean, very much the same. Like, it, it's clearly comedy music. It has this kind of like slightly bossa nova, muzaki kind of a sound. And it, it sets up the fact that this entire film is going to be full of this kind of like um, Tin Pan Alley, American Songbook type music joyful yeah and it is it is joyful it's just fun it's just fun yeah and as you say it just it puts you in the right mood it it lets you know that the film's not to be taken too seriously not that there is like a single minute of this film that you would ever threaten to take seriously Mm. gives it some sweetness but then it it has that theme which as you say is it's a strong theme Mm. like buddy's theme is a genuinely good theme and it starts to sort of show that the the movie's going to have some heart so Yeah. yeah i like it uh, which would you vote for? I think this is actually a fairly tough vote myself. Tough? Mm, I mean, I wouldn't say for me it's not tough because I'm... It's weird. Both, in terms of representation for like the Santa's Workshop, both films mm-hmm. are showing different tones and different interpretations of what Santa's world could look, would look like. So mm-hmm. Elf's one is going for the very 50s traditional vibe. You know? Yes. Uh-huh. Whereas um, Bells of Christmas, the Santa Claus is going for more mystical, mythical mm. vibe. So I think which one translates better for the mainstream? I would say Elf. Okay. For me. And also because whenever I hear that, it reminds me of Rudolph the Red Nosed Deer. Um, and it reminds me of Sleigh Ride. And they both have that tempo where it just makes you want to kind of bop up and down. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And I want the music to make me do it, especially Christmas music. It makes me, I want to be <laughs> bopping up and down and just go. <laughs> Fair enough. You? Um, I, I'm going to ruin your Christmas and go with the Santa Claus. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I like the mystical fun. I like the mystical, beautiful sort of sweet side of, of that one, to be honest. To me, that. That is the, the the Christmas feel to go for, but they're both great. They're both great. It's a tough call. Um, so that is a split vote either way. Let's move on to a round two, the journey. 
and for Santa Claus, we're listening to the track Let's Go. This track plays as sort of Tim Allen has just delivered his first presence and the sleigh takes off for the first time and it's just this like instant burst of of galloping energy into the film. It's like suddenly the film sort of takes off and we're and we're, we're off and we're running. So it's a big kind of energy shift moment for the entire film. I think the thing that I like you, you said that the last track reminded you a lot of Leroy Anderson. Sleigh, um, sleigh ride I, to me that's where the, that same track pretty much comes into this film I think this has a real Leroy Anderson quality to it it also to me actually and I think this is fairly interesting it sounds a lot like music from like a western like it's a very American western kind of a sound so it's like it's the sort of music that would play over like the cowboys like riding across the across the plains essentially it's not because when you actually think about it there's not a lot in this particular track that's particularly Christmassy. I guess it doesn't need to be because he's literally wearing a Santa outfit and sitting on a sleigh pulled by reindeer. So the music didn't need to provide the Christmas, the, the movie provide the Christmas. But I, it really works. I think it, it does that thing we've seen a few times now in movies where they're observed that the sort of the more old fashioned music makes something feel more magical and it it has sort of lasted in children's music uh, children's movies much longer than it has in serious dramas and, and that sort of thing so I, I think it's quite effective you yeah i felt it was very adventurous uh-huh. however i found it a little bit one note is the wrong terminology but i felt it was a little bit one level for a journey mm-hmm track sure you know because sure. it just felt like it was just on a high it just kind of carried it was just carrying on on a high there wasn't any dips or true it's a short sequence though which is sort of working against it a bit on that front it is yeah so but but also i guess the scene is a little bit quite short in itself as well um mm. It's basically just set up that one gag of him um pulling up next to the the car and asking for directions to, yeah. the, to the highway <laughs> Yeah, and it's all right. Okay. I mean, I mean, in my notes I have here that I think it's hard to create your own musical identity around Christmas-themed films because everyone is so conditioned to expect certain instruments and yeah. certain tropes, I guess, that, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways this reminded me a lot of Home Alone, like John Williams or... Yeah. Activity. So, 
You didn't feel that he showed some restraint by not using things like the glockenspiels and, and harps so much in this track, that he, he kept it in more Americana than full Christmas? No. No, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like, you know, aside from like Danny Elfman's Nightmare Before Christmas and Edward Scissorhands, like I think he managed to capture the essence of the whimsical, magical world of winter. Yeah. Much more. And I just find like with the composers nowadays and it's really hard because yeah because you either have to go back to using old school classics like make it very traditional carol style or you go back mm -hmm. to the 50s 60s style which i feel like this is yeah. like these both films i kind of fight that's where their differences are mm -hmm. and then we're kind of battling against so because one, yeah, one sort is of like a romantic from... era Christmas, or like a Victorian era Christmas, yeah. and a fifties era Christmas, and there's where the two dominant yeah styles come from. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and to try and then look outside or go outside of that is very difficult. So I think probably this is where he was trying to go outside, but it mm. just seemed sounded a little bit generic for me. Maybe fair enough. But yeah, that's just me. Oh, alrighty. Well, let's move on to Elf, and the track is. Buddy's Journey.
so I suspect if you were worried that the other one didn't have enough uh, journey and change in it, that you might have preferred this one, Ella. Yeah, probably. And because, as you say, yeah, like this is a, this was a much longer sequence. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, and obviously, you got to feel and see and hear Buddy's various sort of journey through the mm-hmm. the various environments and his altercation with a raccoon yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what you, you expect from a journey music you you root for them in some ways you're watching them go through all these different extremes and they're still powering through which is nice i just wrote this flamboyant the music yeah. you know there's not much i can say it's in some ways it's also a little bit generic you know but it's just your typical journey music what more can you say it's basically just soundtracking what the character is feeling you know but i do love yeah. the fact that it includes his theme i and i think yeah. it's the variant of whistled. his theme it's whistled it's whistled his yeah. theme is whistled yeah that sort of like boy scouts style yeah you know which mm-hmm. is nice and i like i much prefer this to be honest fair enough i empathize more with this track yeah i i think it i think it does a fairly good job actually in that it it's very theatery um, in the, the way it does it. It's sort of quite um, sort of musical, operatic in how it sort of goes through it. It shifts style a lot. It starts off almost like Baroque and then it goes through all of these like folksy bits. It has, yeah, the sort of like whistling around a campfire, Boy Scouty type elements. I, I think it actually manages to tread it quite well in that it does Mickey Mouse a lot. It's got this like over the top romantic um, sort of pantomime sort of menacing moments as well like for the raccoon Mm -hmm. it it manages to tread this sort of like wild change and some really kind of like saccharine kind of moments without ever really getting annoying or without ever feeling like it's um uh, crudely mashed together so i i think it is actually quite successfully um and effectively composed for that which i mean let's not sort of muck around too much i i would agree that i think it's the better of the two tracks as well for that reason of whilst i do love the energy that um let's go brings into the santa claus um this is just a really fun track that does a difficult job quite well so i'm assuming that's going to be two votes for um elf now round three showdown with the villains so the track we're listening to from the Santa Claus, and oh my God, if this is not the most 90s name for a Christmas movie track ever, I, I don't know what is, Elves with Attitude. I mean, at the beginning, I thought it was going to go into, like, Ride of the Valkyries. Oh, yeah. That would have been, been cool. Yeah, because, you know, I, I thought I thought that's where he was... I thought that's where he was going, you know, because I thought he deliberately mm. added that just the first few bars of that... Da-dum, 
and then it, mm-hmm. then it kind of changed over and I was like oh okay fine but you know yeah. it kind of hinted a little bit at that I know I'm disappointed yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah, yeah I mean it's very 90s I it's um yeah, it's look, it's light, it's fantastical, it's clearly action mu- music. It harkens back to Let's Go. It's 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 it kind of repeats some of the same ideas, which is good across the the, um, the spread of the film that it goes back to that same Christmas action sound, and it's that same Western sound. But it this time it does add the glockenspiel and harp because it's the elves doing it, not just Tim Allen. I I think it's kind of cool, but I agree it would have been nice if it had committed more i think actually that the whole elf scene fell a bit flat to me in general yeah, like I was like, what was the they're point meant of that? to be super cool and they're just not cool enough no i, was, um, I didn't i didn't see the per- their purpose fulfilled i don't think they had enough attitude <laughs> like i wanted like properly badass elves and you know the tensile gag was nice but mm. yeah yeah it, it, probably, it, it probably felt a little bit rushed it wasn't fully. Yeah. It didn't feel fully actualized. Yeah, exactly. Like they didn't quite know how to handle that sequence, almost, which is a bit of a shame. They didn't really know how to market it to the kids better, so that they would relate to it. Like I think they should have yeah. had different variety of um, elves with attitude, so yeah. that like if a kid is watching it, they would be like, "Oh yeah, I can I can relate to this particular elf because he's wearing glasses and he's so cool." Or and then if you have another elf that has some other little gimmicks or dressed yeah, it needed to be a bit more like um, Seven Dwarves style, yeah. where one was grumpy and one was happy and one was silly. Yeah, it needed something. They just along it was those very one dimensional. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. And yeah. Yeah, so was, this whole this as a movie, the Santa Claus. If Tim Allen is not on screen, it's not doing very well, unfortunately. Like Tim Allen is absolutely carrying <laughs> that film. So we will move on to Elf, and so there's probably about four or five different tracks in Elf that could relate to the the showdown at the end. It's a, it's a quite it's a strangely drawn out and quite musical sequence, actually. The the whole denouement as it were but the one that we have chosen is kind of like the the biggest one that kind of contains most of the bits uh which is quite simply um showdown in the park and here it is
sequence I just feel like in some ways this is where the film kind of trails off a little bit and goes a little bit uh -huh. weird because in some ways both of these films are playing on the idea that seeing is not always believing that you need to use yeah. your imagination to fulfill your dreams yeah it's about the nature of belief yeah and so I find it very strange how then you have the real Santa Claus appearing well in both films you know and then mm. And like he's been filmed, like he's been captured on camera. People have seen him, and this, then they're being told, "Well, he doesn't actually exist." Or it's it's all very quite messed up in some ways. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. Um, so that's where it kind of loses me. However, there's a little parody in this track because particularly mm. when you know you get. I think I know what you're about to say. Go on. <laughs> particularly when you see those police guards on their horses because I'm sorry they really reminded me of the Lord of the Rings Dark Riders uh -huh. and it was very over the top like it was just it, it was really amped up like they really yeah. amplified this the threat of them coming after Santa Claus again yeah there's a, there's a lot of things going on in this particular track I'm disappointed you didn't say what I was expecting you to say oh what, what were you it starts off quite a lot like Danny Elfman's Batman oh well, I was going to leave it for you to say. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you have never been one to miss a Danny Elfman reference before. It's got quite a strong Batman quality to it early on because it does that like really over the top, like heavy, dramatic um, sort of like moment early on. And it's it's quite Danny Elfman. It, it makes me wonder whether either some Batman or possibly Nightmare Before Christmas music might, might not have been the temp here that he's kind of... Um, had to had to work with because it, it's quite it's quite similar mm. yeah I wouldn't be surprised well what did you think yeah. much like a lot of the music in this film it um or at least of the so this film has two sounds it either has this kind of very dramatic over the top theatery kind of music or it has the sort of Tin Pan Alley song type sound and you can kind of tell the ones that go the silly route because they're the ones that have whistling in it. Um, and this one has its whistling of the theme and stuff. And it's, it's sort of over the top. It's wildly changing, but it's very carefully and very effectively managed. Um, there's a couple of things I find quite interesting. The fact that it uses accordion quite a lot is pretty unusual. I was certainly told when I was studying um, in America how to, how to write music that you could only use accordion if, you, if the movie was set in Paris. But here he is using it for New York City. And I actually really like the ending where it just it just goes completely silly and it has this like this big blasting brass and it's just all over the place. I it's it's a really, really fun track. But I agree, like as a as a scene I don't know why they draw this scene out as much as they do, in that like the comedy of Will Ferrell was at its best when it was him sort of sticking out a lot in New York. It's kinda of like, you know, it's like the Tom Hanks big 
um, story is when it's kind of at its best. Um, so I don't know why they spent 20 minutes on this sequence where he doesn't really have that much to do other than crawl under the sleigh and try and be a mechanic. Um, but yeah, musically, I think it's quite fun and it does build up. And, and really, this is just meant to create the drama that then leads into the whole... Um, uh, what's what's the song that Zoe Deschanel sings that Santa Claus is coming to town um, that everyone sings along and that's what eventually fires up the sleigh and stuff so it's just meant to create that, that drama to set up so I look I think it's quite good and effective um, vote which one are you going for Elf Elf yeah that's fair enough um, yeah I think I have to go the same way to be honest uh, it's just a slightly stronger track all right So let's move on to round four. And you can tell we're looking at movies from the MTV era because we have credit songs, people. So from Santa Claus, we have the song Christmas Will Return by Brenda Russell and Howard Hewitt. so so 90s it keeps coming back and reminding me of the Peebo Bryson version of A Whole New World at the end of Aladdin I, there's something about the way that the phrases start that I think is very similar 
Yeah. Um, it's dated, yeah. overstuffed, and of its time. Yeah. <laughs> it's so early 90s. So early 90s. But um, it takes for... away the Christmas vibe for me. Right. It's, yeah, like it's, you can see where they've put stuff in it that they're going, oh, well, it's Christmassy because it's got these bits in it. Mm. But it's not Christmassy enough. Like the whole point of these songs, <clears throat> well, there's two points. One is to be in the film clip for the movie, and I don't think it'd be particularly great for that. And the other is to be this like cool, upbeat song that you're still like humming and buzzing as you walk out of the cinema. And I, I don't think it would do that. Yep. Um, if anything, it made it me. It made, if anything, it would make me want to leave the cinema as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, yeah. So, it's. I think this is where they kind of, as I was saying earlier, they kind of get it wrong. I think mm -hmm. they it's too and maybe they were trying to do a Mariah Carey as well yeah because, I mean it certainly doesn't achieve that well because you know they do take on the whole that sort of the singing style of the 90s era um, mm. it's it's the same way how you know when Christina Aguilera did a Christmas album or mm -hmm. Destiny's Child's they did a Christmas album and it's it is still it those albums are of their time because of the sting, singing style that they incorporate mm -hmm. that would not yeah. travel in 20 years time the same way that the 50s and 60s mu music have yeah they're not as mm -hmm. timeless and i wonder why yeah. why is that is it just because they are quite over the top and just trying too hard because I do prefer there's something that's quite very simple and more melodic pleasing with the oldest older yeah. music it's just they just keep it simple they, they allow you to enjoy the melodies the music the work to actually even hear the words as well yeah um so when you I think there's a lot to that. Yeah, like so you you ask why? I would I would this is a guess. This is a postulation, but like it, I think it's because because we're about to get to exactly one of those songs. Mm. Is that those songs from like the 50s may, maybe if you were actually hearing the version from the 50s, I think you would find at least a decent amount of music would have the same problem. But uh, but a lot of music in the 50s was written not for a single purpose, but as like a song to be bought and sung by people. Mm. So it was intended to have more use than 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 one. And certainly the ones that have lasted, we're often hearing covers of songs. So they're songs that have been sort of like brought up to date, but where they've just sort of like they've captured the the essence of the song and they've played with it. Whereas this song, I don't think it's a particularly strong song underneath it. But it's also it's still just in its original context with all of that '90s production and, as you say, that very '90s delivery and stuff. And it, yeah, it dates so so quickly because it, it, there's too much. There's too much done to it. Mm -hmm. I think. I think that's probably true of any of the more like overproduced genres and overproduced um, sort of styles. It's like where '80s music just it's it. You, you can't get it out of the 80s and I think it's probably going to be true of a lot of the music now where we can't we're not going to be able to get trap out of you know the late 2010s because it, it just it has so many pointers you know that kind of thing and I think but I think it's all down to simplicity and I think yeah. some people find it really hard to make keep it simple 
Mm-hmm. And where they can't keep it simple, they overproduce it or they overlay it to try and hide the fact that it's not as simple mm. for the audience to. Or it doesn't work yeah. as simple. Do you yeah. Know, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, it doesn't Fair work enough. for me. It's a, it's a nice okay. song. Don't get me wrong. It's it's a ple- it's but it's not a Christmas song. I can easily listen to this any time of the year if you remove the Christmas references. Mm. And still feel like, oh, it's as you mentioned earlier, it's like an Aladdin sort of reference yeah. or another sort of Disney movie film reference. I don't think I've ever heard this pop up in a Christmas song compilation no. ever. No. Which is more about next round than this round, but like the, there's your there's your thing. Like the whole point of having one of these songs at the end of a Christmas movie, particularly in the nineties, was to get it into that ro- playlist rotation and it, it didn't. So I think that says all you need to know. Let's move on to Elf, and we're going to be listening to Baby It's Cold Outside. And this is actually quite interesting in that uh, both of the voices in this are actually heard within the film itself because it, the girl is uh, Zoe Deschanel, who plays Jovi, and the the male uh, voice is Leon Redbone, who actually who is a sort of relatively famous jazz performer but who voices the snowman at the beginning of the movie. So here it is, Baby It's Cold Outside. I really can't but stay baby, it's cold outside I've got to go away baby, it's cold outside This evening has been And hoping that you drop so in very nice I'll hold your hand just like us. My mother will start to worry Beautiful, what's your hurry? And father will be pacing the floor Listen to that fireplace roll So really I'd better Beautiful, scurry. please don't hurry well, maybe just a half a drink more Put some records on while I pour The neighbors might think Baby, it's bad out there Say What's in this No cats to be had out there I wish I knew starlight To break the spell I'll take your hat Your hair looks well I ought to say no, no, Mind if I move in closer At least I'm gonna say that I tried What's the sense of hurting my pride I really can't stay Baby, don't hold out, ah, but it's cold outside. I simply must go. Baby, it's cold outside. The answer is no. It's cold outside. This welcome has been so nice and warm. Look out the window at that storm. My sister will be suspicious. Your lips look delicious. My brother will be there at the door. Waves upon tropical shore. My maiden aunt's mine. Oh, your lips look delicious. Well, maybe just a cigarette 
Timeless and simple. That's all I have. Yeah. I mean, it's a classic. It's a classic. It's a classic yeah, song. Absolutely, and you can't go wrong about it. Obviously, like, is there any fault to it? Like, maybe some people might not like the tonality of Zoe's voice, you know. But I think, I think she... she's actually not bad. Oh, I know, sort of but song. I'm just yeah. saying, like, some people yeah, might not like. Enough. I mean, I think she does a very well job. I actually prefer it much more when she and um, Will Ferrell actually sing it. Oh, you don't like Leon? No, it's not. I don't like Leon, but I just <laughs> no. I no. I just feel like I think there's that moment in the movie when she's having a shower and she's singing, and he's kind of like chipping in, and then how they kind of start. It's I. It's a creepy scene. I know. <laughs> it's grossly inappropriate, but it, but you're right. It kind of works. But this, in yeah, but this stupidly innocent way. Yes, exactly, and um. <laughs> um, I don't... Which is appropriate to the song, which has a similar kind of like, is it creepy or not kind of a tone. Yeah. yeah it, it, it kind of works, yeah. Um, Go on, sorry. But yeah, so I think it, it, I like how it was incorporated into the film and she sounds great there. And then obviously it was added into as the credits here as well. But you can't mm. go wrong with doing a cover of an old classic. No. Because again, it's something that everybody can relate and kind of get in the yeah. right frame of mind like your grandparents can enjoy it you know your kids mm -hmm. can enjoy it your parents can enjoy it you know and I think that's what you want from a Christmas song or a Christmas movie you want all generations to enjoy it and not feel left out I'm gonna I'm gonna like give the short just a very short potted history of this song because it's actually quite an interesting song in itself so I'm just gonna do that and then I'm gonna ask you a question all right so this song actually interestingly i don't know if you knew this has won an oscar it won the 1949 academy award for best original song when it was used in the comedy neptune's daughter it wasn't actually written for that film um the the track was written by uh frank losa um who is the like a pretty well-known uh, lyricist and composer of musicals he wrote guys and dolls most famously and he wrote it actually as a song for him and his wife to sing at dinner parties in the 40s because apparently in the 40s like if you were uh, like a musical type around Hollywood um, it was expected that if you invited people over to your house that you would perform music for them so there will be and duets yeah, okay. so he wrote this music for him and his wife to sing. And this track was specifically written as the kind of like, can you please go away now song. <laughs> like, So they would sing it at like the end of the, the dinner party. It's like, this is the sign of the end of the, the, of the, finale, end of the film. Yeah. Of the finale, yeah. the finale of the, of the party, as it were. And it apparently became quite well loved in Hollywood. And they started getting invites to better and better parties because people wanted to hear them sing this song. He eventually sold the rights to it to MGM and they put it in this film where they won an Oscar. But his wife was actually really upset by it. It was like it was, it was like she he cheated on her because this song that was kind of like their song had been like given away to the masses all of a sudden. Um, oh, I feel but that. Since then, I feel for her. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Um, and since then, it's been just covered extensively. It's probably most famously covered by um, Dean Martin. He's got like a really famous version. Mm -hmm. But there's also the Tom Jones. There's also the Tom, yeah, Tom, Tom Jones, Jones one uh, with um... Louis Armstrong did one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So there's so many of them. It's like 200 plus covers or something. And by 
the greats, you know. And I think Zoe and Zoe, sorry, Zoe and Leon do do quite a good job of it. Um, Leon's a Canadian sort of jazz musician. It's sort of like vaudeville. Uh, ragtimey kind of a style now so having said that and because it, it it's a cool song it's an amazing song um why this song for this film because it like the themes of it don't really attach to the movie at all it's quite an adult song for a movie about basically a man-child elf have you got any idea as to why they would decide to use this specific song rather than any other song like white christmas say or something why hmm yeah why this song because it when you think about it it makes no sense it doesn't relate to this film at all but i guess is it just because it's a duet i think yeah because it's it's allows you to establish a romantic link between the two characters between elf Hmm. uh between buddy and I can't remember the character's name, like Zoe's character's name. Um, Jovi. 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 It's like Jody, but with a V instead of a D. Yeah, so I think because what other song could they do where they have that sort of back and forth, Mm. you know? Because why why Christmas doesn't have that really? Because it's very kind of one person can sing it. Um, Other songs, you know, people can join. It's a unison song where this is a duet primarily. Yeah, a genuine duet, very to and fro. Yeah, Yeah, so it it does allow, uh, it serves the story, I think. I think that's why it was used primarily because... For that one scene. Yeah, Yeah, and then obviously it just made sense for them to include it at the end of the film as credits, you know, but a Mm. full version of it. It probably could also be to showcase um, Zoe's... Uh, voice. voice you know her talent in that sense aside from her acting talent so yeah fair enough uh which one are you going to vote for isn't it obvious yeah it is kind of uh yeah obviously we're both voting for for elf because the other one is kind of 90s tat isn't it yeah let's move on to legacy so I think just very briefly off the top for round five legacy, I, I will just say that when I was, um, and you probably had the same experience, when I was sitting down to do my research for the film, uh, or you type them in to, to look them up or whatever, you get screening times still for these films. Like every Christmas, even now where there are not many screening times at any cinemas for any movies at all, you can still generally go to a cinema in London right now and see either of these two films. Like they are loved enough that they come back in the constant rotation. So film-wise, their legacy is quite established. Like they are they are films that, that people come back and see. So what do you feel? Look, I'll, I'll do Santa Claus and let you lead off with Elf, maybe, because uh, I feel like that's the film you like more. Santa Claus as a film, it has two sequels, as you said. This is a trilogy. I've not seen any of them, but I'm reliably informed that the second one is actually quite decent. But the third one, despite being with Martin Short, who's generally quite a funny dude, apparently the jokes fall apart and it's not particularly good. But, you know, please write in and tell me otherwise. I found it quite a strange film in terms of its structure and the way it kind of flowed. I didn't ever quite know what was going to happen <laughs> in, in Santa Claus because it just didn't seem to flow in the normal way. But, you know, it, it's kind of... I, musically i don't i don't think the music particularly sticks with you because um, there's no theme no because it doesn't have a strong theme of itself I, I do think that they could have used that um uh, the bells the, of christmas 
The Bells of Christmas song, yes, as an actual theme. And if they played it two or three times, it might have actually stuck with you because I think it's a good song. But um, but what I will say is that the music it does have does have this very timeless, um, nostalgic kind of a quality because it is itself this sort of like 50s, 60s, Western kind of a sound. So what I have definitely seen, like looking through comments and reading people writing about it and stuff, is that for people who did grow up with this movie, which is plenty of people, it's just for whatever reason, not us, right? For people who did grow up with this movie, the music does bring back memories for them because it is the sort of distinctive sounding music that, that they can attach to, particularly some of those tracks like, um, like The Bells of Christmas. As for where it sits, I mean, I don't... I don't particularly feel like modern Christmas films particularly call back to this one at all. Um, I think it is what it is. It's a vehicle for a particular comedian from a particular time um, and it, it does its thing. But I do think it, like some of the stuff it does with its music is at least kind of unique, if only because it's so like a time capsule of 1994 music in that you've got the Celtic revival music, you've got the sort of... Um, cheesy 90s ballad at the end um, but then it does this slightly original thing by having not particularly Christmassy music in between which I which I think works um, so I think it's unique but it doesn't have a huge carry on and as we sort of hinted at in the last round like particularly with those end credit songs like the whole point of those was to have a life outside the film I mean probably the um the song that won the 90s for that respect was um, the Mariah Carey song from Love Actually, which just, you know, blows away outside of that film. And it just didn't have that sort of an effect. So, yeah. Have you got any thoughts? Or do you want to just sort of move on to talking about Elf? Um, no, the only thing I just wanted to add is that the it's Convertino, like the composer Convertino. Yeah, is Michael Convertino. And this is actually his yeah. most mainstream film. And yeah, it it's it's strange because he composed the music for this film, but he didn't compose. He didn't return to compose the rest. Hmm. Which is strange. So I'm intrigued to see what the music was like for the other two films, how they differed. Yeah. Maybe if they, yeah, were made. Maybe they were more for. They use a more formula of having more motifs. You know, hmm. I'm just curious, but yeah, no, I know. Yeah, agree we should actually mention. Sorry, we should mention that actually a lot of the production around this film very was very much was just taking the people who did Home Improvement and doing a film together. So Convertino was the composer on Home Improvement and the director basically has almost no film credits, but he like produced and, and ran the Home Improvement. So it's like this is a film made by non-film people to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of shows. Which, it shows a bit, um, perhaps particularly in terms of the structure being a little bit all over the place, um, in terms of, like, it, which I actually kind of like. I think it works, but it's different. It's a new voice, which is kind of cool. But um, it, it does mean that when you sort of look at the film, the names are not people you know because they're, they're just not from film. They're from 90s sitcoms. Mm. Yeah, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, yeah, they're just thinking about it now. The film just feels like each scene is quite... It's, it's, it feels like the film is divided up into sketches. But hey-ho, I mean, you know, there's, a, there's an audience there that loves it, as you say, if, if it keeps mm. being shown every year in the cinema. So yeah. each to their own. I mean, you know, it, mm. it has a cult following. Good on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, in terms of Elf, I mean, I, all I can pretty much say is I think it did amazingly well to 
to create a classic film um, utilizing mm -hmm. a lot of classical influences and references as well from films that people grew up with back in the 60s and 70s mm -hmm. I guess I think I read um, there's a documentary on Netflix about the making of Elf and there's a director oh, really? yeah the, the director of Elf is John Favreau so he is obviously yes. responsible for um, Iron Man um, yeah. starting out like the Marvel Universe um, but some of the things I think he had, he's got a lot to answer for yeah <laughs> I think his three goals for this film were I'll say the third one actually is to make okay. uh, a timeless family Christmas movie classic because okay. like the other two he said were meant to be so it's meant to be referencing um, Rankin and Bass like he wants it to be very mm -hmm. similar to that the second um, goal is to for it to have heart which it does okay. and then obviously the third one is for it to be a classic like something that every year like it should be not the greatest movie christmas movie of all time but it has to be put in that um list that it's a timeless yeah. movie and i think he's achieved that in some ways yeah. in, the, in a way that santa claus for me hasn't because sure. i haven't been aware of it like it was never on my list of films to watch in the same mm -hmm. way that elf even though at the beginning Elf wasn't my preference, but you know, some people would be like, no, oh, you have to watch it. It's really good fun. It's silly. And just kind of mm -hmm. like, I embrace the silliness now because I feel like what else yeah. is there during this time? <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously it spawned an Elf musical. So there's this legacy there oh, yeah. as well. Um, music wise, like some people might say that it's a little bit kind of, it doesn't necessarily have a concrete identity and the only positive thing of it is the um, buddies theme but everything mm. else is a little bit very all over the place yeah all over the place and just kind of not i wouldn't say generic but just very your typical balanced comedy christmas movie it's pastiche. It's lots of little over-the-top styles mashed together for comic effect. Yeah. And none of them particularly sing through as being like, that's the sound of this film yeah. kind of thing. As opposed to, say, the movies we did last year, Nightmare Before Christmas, which has a very distinct style yeah. of its own. And I, But like this I is, said yeah. earlier, that fact that Danny Elfman is the only composer and obviously John Williams with Home Alone have managed to kind of separate and create their own Christmas identities that people yeah. can reference to. But for Elf, at least it managed to create a memorable theme that is very, very Christmassy. Like, I'm actually surprised that when I watched the film again, I was just like, I felt like I heard this melody many decades ago. Right. Do you know what I mean? It has that yeah. old feel, nostalgia to it. Mm -hmm. And it's so simple. This legacy falls back on that theme, I think. Yeah, and of the use of these classic songs as well, yeah. I think, which allow it to just sort of fit into the broad spectrum of, like, the American canon of holiday films, basically. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, I agree with all that. The only things I'd really add is that um, just musically, obviously to note that music plays a much bigger role in this film than in the Santa Claus. In the Santa Claus, it's just background. It's just background music to carry the film. Um, in a very TV kind of a way, whereas it, it's it's very directly involved in Elf. It's like it carries that journey scene. 
um, it's involved actually diegetically in the plot, like Zooey singing is a big part of the story, um, both in the shower and then when they sing at the end to make the sleigh work, like it's it's actively involved. So there's just a lot more interplay of music into the film. It's a lot more of a movie in that sense. Um, so yeah, that's probably the only other thing I'd add. Um, I Am I safe in assuming that we're both voting for Elf? I think it is very safe. It's safe to do this, but it's safe not to go outside <laughs> and mix with Wearing households. Masks. Yes. <laughs> All righty. So, look, we get to the end. Uh, I'm, so, actually... I'm surprised that we managed to get to the end, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Could it high five without actually Yay. touching. Yeah, elbows pointed in direction. Well, not even elbows. London. No, no, we can't even touch. No, no elbows. No. Just like you know, air high <laughs> five from two meters, northwest. from two meters yeah. away. <laughs> two meters. We're like ten kilometers apart. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I thought that these would be closer. To be fair, but at the same time, it makes perfect sense why it has gone the way it's gone. Um, it just comes down to it, like one is more stronger. One is a more musical film than the other, um, and yeah, it it just kind of plays out that way. And one, yeah, I don't know. For me, if we were just judging the films, I would be really tight as to which one I prefer. I, I think obviously you would go for Elf. I might actually go the other way on that. But just in terms of the way that music is incorporated, it's it's quite different. But that said, I mean, there's. I feel bad in a way because we're probably never ever going to talk about Michael Convertino again. Like he he just hasn't done that many films, and he certainly hasn't done many of the famous films that you tend to wind up talking about in a show like this. And it's, like. I think we could do this for a million years and we'd probably never get to doing home improvement music, right? Um, and that's one of the things I kind of like about the Christmas episodes is that um, these are movies that we don't often necessarily think about as being um, things to analyse because they're not high cinema, as it were. So I feel bad that... Um, yeah, this has been kind of like the, the one of the few times to like really kind of sit down and, and, and talk about what he's done. And I think he did do some really interesting things. He's but... done more work with films with Tim Allen. You know, I think that's their yeah. partnership. It's interesting how his partnership seems to be more with the actor as opposed to the di- specific director. Yeah, which I think also goes to show the kind of the role of like a comedian mm. as being a little bit different from a normal actor and that they tend to have stuff built around them more so than an actor does if that makes sense mm. in general mm. some actors do but it's more common with comedians mm. um i wouldn't be shocked if there would be some people who work with um, will ferrell at some point because he you know he winds up being a producer on most of his films and all that kind of stuff it's it's good music but it just yeah it's hard to it's hard to really hold up in this in this context and john debney we may well talk about him again he's done a few sort of big films over the years uh, but he does a great job on this film, to be honest. And I think they're both cool and that they both managed to do that Christmassy sound in slightly different ways. And, um, yeah, they, they fit perfectly in their films, which are in both in their own way much-loved cult films that you can you can still hear today. So I, I think it very much it's a, it's a bravo to both. But, um, indeed, Elf, probably the stronger. 
so we get to the end of our show, end of the year. Oh my goodness. A <laughs> what good... a fucking year. <laughs> Getting to the end of the year is certainly something to celebrate in its own right. Well, you know, it's um, the end of a decade. True. It's going to be entering into a new decade. So uh, there's a lot of things to kind of think and ponder and reflect on, which is a. Uh, yeah. interesting so i think the main thing is to try and focus on not just this year but think about the previous years as well as a boot as Good a morale idea. boost i think i know if those uh -huh. people who are feeling a little bit down um just think mm -hmm. about all the achievements that you've done the previous years since 2010 yeah. yeah i like it i like that thinking it's a good way of going about it so of course from us to all of you uh we wish you all a fantastic christmas and holiday period in general perhaps you have in fact decided to come back and listen to this episode in a couple of years time because it's coming up to christmas and you wanted to watch elf in which case um yeah 2020 was hard <laughs> but hopefully it's so much better where you are now or maybe it's not and you're laughing at us thinking that 2020 was hard because 2021 was worse oh my god i don't want to think about that um, let's not put so it into the universe okay <laughs> yeah let's, let's let's pull that one back out of the universe <laughs> yes thank you very much um it'll get yes, like there's so, always light at the end of the tunnel in some there ways is. like the things there is times are strange but we learn from them and i'm hoping mm -hmm. that there's going to be new different developments and it's going to be better for us you know absolutely so merry christmas have a fantastic new year we will see you soon in the new year perhaps in january at least by february and we will talk to you all then um goodbye yeah merry christmas and a happy new year bye bye <laughs>
Snow.